0: Rocco technically I could have done this as meet the Zor meet the supplier or meet the Z because you've done all yeah uh, but the question and it's the same question I kick off and I'm, I'm always embarrassed by it so I put the, a lot of disclaimer against it because I, I like hearing the franchise story but nobody felt like they they were gonna do franchising they fall into it so how did you fall into franchising what's your franchise story
1: Yeah, Nick, thanks for having me. I appreciate it and uh, happy to share my story. I don't know if it's as interesting to most people, but it was certainly an interesting uh, turn in my career. But I'm going to go back into the 80s. Uh, I was a mechanical contractor in Philadelphia, and a lot of our business was uh, restaurants and a lot of chains back then. We called them chains, not franchises. And uh, McDonald's was one of our largest accounts. And I, um, in my neighborhood, Uh, There was an old Jewish man from New York that owned a bagel shop in Philadelphia. And uh, he wanted us to renovate it. the mall. uh, It was their five-year lease coming up for renewal and they had to uh, remodel. So we took over the project and during the project, he unfortunately passed away. So his wife came to me and said, I I don't want the restaurant. I can't pay you for the remodel. Just take the restaurant. So uh, overnight I was in the bagel business And uh, from there, I bought another existing bagel shop that made two. And then we started to operate and open five corporately. And then we started to franchise and then we got to about 85 units and we sold to a publicly traded company. And um, so as a franchisor, that was my first time. I, I did my own franchise agreement and I took it over to a guy in Philadelphia. His name was Steve Rabb. I don't even know if he's alive anymore but Steve looked at it and said, Oh my God, what a mess you made. I said, thank you so much. (laughs) He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, at least I got through it. And because I got through it, I understand the franchise agreement. I understood every item, whether it was item two or item 19. And I said, now, now, you know, I'm going to ask you to clean up my mess. And he did. And uh, what a great guy taught me a lot. And uh, that's how I got into the franchise business. And we, we acquired, uh, while we were franchising, we acquired Skolnix. I don't know if you remember that name. We acquired Bagel Nosh out of Florida. And uh, we started to uh, grow by acquisition and uh, certainly organic growth and open you know one store at a time. Had a couple of McDonald's operators that were franchisees of ours. So that was kind of my entree into franchising. And then when I did sell to a publicly traded company, uh, they had asked me to stay on for three years and I stayed on for five years, which is very rare. Usually it lasts around three months with you know, new ownership or if you're acquired. But I did a lot of international stuff. We were in Dubai, we were in Iceland, we were doing all kind of cool things. And uh, then uh, the opportunity to become a, a large area developer, a franchisee of Krispy Kreme became available. And I worked on that for two years. Um, and it took two years for them to uh, get give me the opportunity to develop uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. So I did that uh, 1999 through uh, 2007, 2008, uh, then sold back to Krispy Kreme Corporate. So again, sold to a public company. And then I became a supplier and then I've been on the supplier side ever since. Uh, we've been a trans for 16 years now. So it's been one hell of a ride. Uh, I feel like I've, uh, I've certainly experienced every leg of the stool franchisee, franchisor, and now supplier. And I use that experience every day because I I feel for the franchisees who are our direct clients. They're the ones borrowing the money to invest into these brands. I feel for the franchisors who are in a position where they're very competitive, of course. I mean, in franchising, uh, if you're in the pizza business, you don't just compete with pizza shops, you compete with everyone selling franchise. Yeah. Most people have never been in the business before so I feel for them as well and I spent some time at the IFA I spent six years on the board of directors I spent 11 years as the chairman for the membership committee which allowed me to meet all the new emerging brands that are coming in and half of them didn't have the money to even afford the the membership fee but they knew uh, they really needed to learn about franchising so it's been one hell of a ride I'm very fortunate that I've been in the franchise business so long
0: and uh, it's been very good to me so uh, that's that's kind of my story in a nutshell so i'm gonna my my next question i'm gonna i'm gonna tee it up by saying i i love playing pickup basketball and if someone asks me what do i love most about pickup basketball it's when i make a great pass and someone scores i've always had that mentality i like making threes but i like the great pass in the same sort of stance because you've touched so many different elements of the game of franchising what what do you love most about franchising
1: um, you know, what I love most is something I don't get to do very often anymore. I really love talking to the franchise candidates and talking to the franchisors. spend a lot of time with the brokers, as you can imagine, and the consultants. We go to the shows and, you know, even at that, I really like to dig into you know what they do, how they do it. They create entrepreneurs, and, and that's what we do at Better Trends, is create entrepreneurs. We provide the opportunity for them to fund their business, their dream. But I I wish I could talk to more franchise candidates than I do, because everyone has a story why they're doing it, how they got into it. Some by default, some by design, some have always wanted to to just leave the cubicle on Sunday night. They're just, you know, uh, dying to do something different Monday morning other than just show up in the cubicle. So I've always heard some really great stories, and I wish I could talk to them more often. But you know, we've got a hundred employees and we have a business to run. So I don't get an
0: opportunity as much as I used to, to do that. You know, it's interesting about that, that answer. First of all, I love it. Secondly, um, I've talked with a lot of, a lot of people in franchising recently about the day before they got into franchising and, and the question becomes, did you understand what franchising was? And I'm like, absolutely not. And I think about the franchisees that exist, which frankly, I think this is why the broker community is has had the success that they've had. you ask a franchisee if they knew what franchising was before they actually filled out that form and they say no and no franchisor is saying well wait a second before we sell you on our offering let's actually educate you on how franchising works because it is complex it's scary but it can be tremendous if we can give you the right tools to scale your business so i think about that because what you love most what you end up doing is you're providing institutional knowledge when rocco talks to a candidate about franchising that probably helps paint a different picture of what franchising actually is versus what they perceive it to be
1: you know it's interesting uh when i do talk to clients uh that are about to go into business you're right they they really have not understood what franchising was i was lucky when i was a contractor all of my clients were franchise brands, and so we did mm-hmm. McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Friendly's, Denny's, all the different hotels. And I used to understand uh, from a from a contra- from a mechanical contractors' perspective, if I stock the if I stock parts for the equipment in McDonald's, I stock parts for every almost every McDonald's. If I stock parts for uh, Wendy's or Denny's, uh, they all have the same equipment. That was wonderful for us as a contractor, and it allowed me to understand how they scale, how they build, how they really get consistency to the end user, because what they do is they they, they really uh, duplicate everything. And that's the, the beauty of a proven system, right? Uh, but that still doesn't mean they've ever been entrepreneurs, even though they're going into a proven system. And I, I dig deep, even when we take on a new franchise brand, uh, we recently took on a brand in Florida called Pure Clean. And uh, before I took them on as a franchise or client, to fund their franchisees, I asked Steve White, the, uh, the president and COO, if he would mind if I secretly shop the brand. Uh, that was kind of fun for me. I was able to secretly shop, go through the development stages, ask a lot of questions, call a few franchisees and ask them if they would do it again, what the pros and cons were. And that allowed me to understand the brand. And then that allows me to share it with my team and allows me to share it with our lenders so I know who to match them up with. Now, you know, in a lot of cases, Uh, Maybe some other funding sources may not be able to spend that much time or really care or understand that, but I came from that world so I love every piece of it and it really gives me a much better bird's eye view of how to manage our relationship to the best of my ability when I understand as much as I can about
0: the brand, their development schedule, their culture, and how they really are successful. It's almost like you should have documented that or fi- films you doing that research because it's like the your process there one i don't think a lot of lenders look at businesses that way and so they're they're qualifying a candidate and qualifying the investment or the the funding uh based on paper and what you did is you dove into the the human psyche of the franchise owner and understanding like how viable is a, is a growth strategy that misses and not just for for lenders that misses for for a lot of suppliers and for for franchisees is that if I'm if I'm helping frame a disappointment in franchising is that we don't go deep enough as an industry to make sure that people are set up to succeed so I met
1: Steve at an event and we smoked a cigar together and kind of bonded and I asked him how long he's been doing it and a little bit about the, the business, just you know, idle chat over a cigar and a glass of wine. And I find out that uh, he really doesn't have a, a funding partner because most of the partners that he was aware of said his deals were too small. And maybe they're too small for some lenders, but they're certainly not that small for other lenders. So by secretly shopping, that helped me understand the investment and what these franchisees could make if they were successful and followed the proven system that allowed me to bring in some lenders and some different products. We, you know, we now have a fleet program. Uh, a lot of uh, the, uh, the equipment required to purchase for a PureClean is a specific vehicle with a specific, uh, list of equipment. So, uh, we, we found lenders that had an absolute appetite for that. And it's been very successful. So, again, uh, if I didn't dig deep enough, I would have never understood what his needs were. And that allowed us just to have a better relationship. And I also talked to the development team and said, look, you know, we at Benetrends, uh, we're your finance department right down the hall. We're very similar to your marketing department, your operations team, and your accounting team. So we're part of your brand. So you can't call me and say, what did you do to my client? My client is, is telling me you didn't do this and you didn't do that. Um, probably the client didn't send us the information and we log all that in. So if we're your partner and we're truly your partner, you treat us like another department within your brand and you call us and say, hey, what's going on with John Doe? And we tell you exactly what's going on. go, okay, great, fine. Let's Let's follow up and make it happen. And sure enough, about two weeks later, We had a client that didn't follow our system, of course, by collecting documents and things that we need and the franchisor called and said, what's going on? They said, oh, well, you know, those people at Benetrans aren't doing anything. So I happened to be with Pure Clean that day and we got all the information and straightened it out. So that allowed us to really understand that we're uh, really a partnership, not just a funding source to someone. And I believe that is really, really important. And things go wrong. We have humans. We deal with lenders. Uh, We deal with buyers. Uh, there's a lot of different ingredients that go into the successful launch of a brand uh, and a franchisee. So uh, we really take pride in the relationship and understanding what's
0: going on and be very transparent so that everyone knows where we are in the process. So as you're you're talking through that story, uh, and I don't normally put up another website, but I'm going to do it in this scenario. I pull up their site. And everything that you just did—you validated the business, and now is a lending solution back to their franchise buyer. You're making it easier to for for a franchise owner to have a pathway to success because oftentimes uh, they don't come properly capitalized or they're not thinking through the model. And, and your fleet program that you just mentioned is another tool that you're giving to the buyer. That I think this this is a miss by franchisors as much as we're willing to put an IFA logo or VetFran icon at the bottom when we're talking about the investment, PureClean did, did the right thing. They, they brought you on as a solution for their candidate. This is the point, in my opinion, that, that franchisors should start talking about the benefits of working with you or, or whatever lending partner that they have, because it's an asset back to the buyer that's about to go through arguably the most complex investment and, and life shift that they're going to go through in their entire life. So there's two pieces to it, right? The first
1: piece is understanding the franchisee, what they're about to do. I was a franchisee. I invested a lot of money in Krispy Kreme. I know how scary it is. I know how uh, scary it was for spouses to believe their, their husbands or their spouses about going into business. But the other side of it is when I do work with lenders, I tell the lenders I was at their corporate office many, many times. I met everyone on their team. I looked at the house that they built inside their office that they flood every week with hundreds of gallons of water, and then remediate all that and get that drywall back to where it was. So when you see all that, you really get to understand their business. And I can talk about it. Uh, knowledgeably with our lenders. And not all lenders are interested in that type of business. Not all lenders like restaurants or food service, but there are lenders that have specific appetites. And I could really talk to them about the investment and what I perceive uh, is uh, is gonna be the, uh, the, the business model. Now, we also do the business plans, Nick, and that's really important. As you well know, a franchisor really can't do a business plan for a franchise candidate. Some would call that an earnings claim because in that business plan, uh, we've got three-year, five-year projections and a lot of different financial information. But we do it for them. Uh, we take a look at the industry. We understand what the industry is, what, uh, what piece of that industry Pure Clean plays. And then most importantly, we understand the investment, where the location is, and what they could mm-hmm. be doing. That ends up acting as a playbook for the franchisee. And after they really read the business plan, uh, we give them something a franchisor could not possibly do legally. And I think it helps the franchise, or it certainly helps the franchisee, and it helps the lender in a big way. So uh, that's been really, really fun for us, and we do it in-house. Uh, so it gives us an idea of of what these brands are doing, and allows us to kind of, you know, look under the sheets and see what's going on.
0: Benetrends is the logo, but is it really Rocco's story that has led into how Benetrends behaves as a brand today? Because you're 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 reflecting back on all the things that you've been through as a entrepreneur and a, and a business operator. Is that how Benetrends has gotten to where it is today by relying on your backstory?
1: No, not at all. I, I wish I could take credit for it, but but I can't. Uh, 40 years ago, our founder, Len Fisher, uh, who's been an ERISA attorney, a pension attorney for 55 years, uh, he is the guy who really is the architect behind the Rainmaker. Uh, that's the rollover for business startup that allows anyone to use their retirement funds to start a business, tax deferred and penalty free. We've been doing that for over 40 years, as you can see on the screen. And I didn't know you were gonna bring this up. I'm glad you did. Uh, but you know, we've, we've helped uh, that that number's a little outdated now. We've, we've helped over 50,000 entrepreneurs use their retirement funds to start their business. So simply stated uh, right now, if you've got three or $400,000 in your retirement fund you've got a financial advisor managing that for you, and they're charging you about a point or a point and a half a year or a month or a week, however they bill you, uh, to manage that portfolio. As a lot of you understand now, I mean, the market hasn't been great. Uh, and when it is great, uh, it, it usually lasts a little bit and then it goes down again. So that that money is being invested into a lot of different publicly traded companies. What if you could really take that money and invest it in yourself? Because right now you're investing it in, Apple, Microsoft, anything else your financial advisor tells you to invest in, but you don't know who the management company is. You know, really know nothing about the product. And most of the time people buy stock to sell it. They don't really know. If I asked most people what their investments are in and what those companies do, most of them would say, I have no idea. So now you can invest in yourself and say, I believe in this brand and I'm going to be running it and I'm putting my money behind me for a change. And that is a total difference. So that was really uh, what started Benetrends. Uh, when I got there around 16 years ago, we were only doing the rollover. Uh, since then, we've, uh, we've taken on a lot of SBA products, uh, a lot of other different types of investments, and a lot of different ways to use your retirement funds. We have the, uh, the Rainmaker Advantage plan now, which is uh, certainly a little different for those who have a little more cash. Uh, so there's a number of different plans. We have you know, obviously a larger menu of products, but I would certainly give my team an enormous amount of credit for the relationships because uh, as I said to you earlier, we're at 60, 70 shows a year and that takes a damn good team to get out there on a consistent basis, continue with the relationships and then have our operating team back at the office, make sure that we deliver. So it, it takes a village, my friend, and I'm glad to, to be leading the village, but it definitely takes a village.
0: So, to the candidate, I, historically, they're gonna they're gonna come to you through a broker, a consultant, or the franchisor. Yeah, but shouldn't shouldn't a candidate, if if they understood the pathway of franchising before they even get into like, can this brand make sense for me? Shouldn't they be talking to someone like you before they even go to the Zor or the broker to understand? Like, if you think about buying a house, then like I call the agent and say. I I need you to help me figure out what I can afford. You have some sort of sense of what you can afford before you start looking at the home. Is that kind of still backwards in franchising that I should know what I'm playing with to then align the right proper brand with me?
1: Yeah, so that's an excellent thought. And uh, we think about it all the time. So we've stepped up our efforts on the internet. Our website constantly changes. We're out there with different search words we really love finding people that want to be entrepreneurs and we love to talk to them early on so they know how much business they can buy just like you referred to how much house can i buy and it's not just how much i can buy but what is it i want to buy and why and do i have an interest or a passion for that so we've been doing a lot of different webinars seminars about educating entrepreneurs on what the first steps are Mm -hmm. and certainly uh you know we always say don't go hunting with an empty gun don't go looking for a franchise if you have no idea if you could afford it or not or how much or how little you can afford so that's always been a challenge for us anytime anyone gives us advice or or opinions about that we love that because we are trying to find those folks early on and we do rely on our referral partners Uh, to do the same thing when they find folks early on that do want to be entrepreneurs they may not know we -hmm. always encourage our referral partners especially the brokers and consultants send them to us early before they even start looking at brands so we can evaluate and give them a prequal for an amount of money that we know they're going to get approved for so they may be able to look at a few other brands that they thought they may not be able to afford before they worked with us to understand what they're Mm -hmm. capable of
0: if you think to franchisees, and, and there, there are going to be a percentage that, that don't make it. Um, it could be funding, it could be wrong, wrong brand, it could be wrong neighborhood, it could be wrong real estate. There's a million reasons to, to uh, create a failure. But if you could grab those folks that have failed and give them a piece of advice that they should have thought about before they got into franchising, what would that be?
1: Yeah, that's so simple. Uh, I have three rules for successful franchisees. Rule number one, follow the system. Now, in order to follow the system, you have to select one and believe in it enough to follow it. Rule number two, do not quit at the 50-yard line. So often people put their hands up. They've never been a leader before. They go, this is too difficult for me. I can't do this. Well, you could do that at your job. Maybe they'll give it to someone else. But you don't do it when you are the entrepreneur. So number one, follow the system. Number two, do not quit at the 50-yard line. Number three, do not go in undercapitalized. What do I mean by that? Well, the investment's $150,000. And I, I talk to franchisee uh, franchisors all the time about this and say, what's your investment? So, well, my franchise fee is 50 and it's another 150 for the equipment and supplies. Okay, great, that's 200. So let's figure your investment's gonna be 260 or 280. Oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't wanna tell anybody that. Why don't you wanna tell anyone that's the truth? We, I mean, day one, you need uh, money for, your training and your expenses you need money for your utility deposits you need money to uh, get your people hired and trained and you need money for the first payroll and all the different things and every brand is different i don't know how long it takes any brand to ramp up to profitability when we do a brand study we ask them how long will it take before this person is going to be cash flow positive or break even and the reason i ask is simple I want to make sure that the, the amount of working capital we provide for them is enough to get them through to that so they don't have to make any cuts or do away with marketing or not hire all the people they need to hire. So you know, we're, not, we're not just in the business of getting information from a candidate and providing a loan. We really go way too deep and talk about all the things they're going to experience so we do set up the loan properly and we make sure they have enough money for example i might suggest they apply for a three hundred thousand dollar loan even though they only need two the big difference is they'll probably need 220 or 250 because there will be a delay in construction there will be a uh, there will be weather there will be a million things that delay whatever you thought in terms of a date you were going to open if you only applied for a loan for 200 and you had to go back to the lender for another 100, it will not happen. So if you apply for three and you never use the three, you don't pay for anything you don't use. So it's just a safer way to do it. The other thing I always also do, Nick, is I pressure test the franchise agreements. One of the things I look at is the, um, the, the net worth requirements. A lot of times these net worth requirements are set in the franchise agreement by the attorney, and that's fine. We just like to pressure test them and say, by the way, um, I'm not sure you need someone with a net worth of 500000 Maybe you can cast a wider net and uh, start to solicit folks that have a net worth of 300000 mm-hmm. In that scenario, I can get them the amount of money they need, including their working capital, to get them to have a successful loan and a successful business. On the other hand, I don't want it to be too low either because you simply attract the wrong people so we always take a look at all of the information in the fdd and i don't mind sharing our thoughts that doesn't mean a franchisor has to change but we do at least go through it and say here are some recommendations here's what we think could be possible if you'd like to at least evaluate
0: but i want to close on this there's a ghost candidate uh someone that could potentially be a customer client of benetrend's that's been watching up to this point anything else you want the ghost to to know to go ahead and reach out and contact you
1: no, I mean, I, I would love that and and I love ghosts. I don't need to know a whole lot of information. I just like to have great conversations and learn as much as I can. I always think all of us are smarter than one of us. And, you know, I've been around long enough to make a lot of mistakes. So uh, I don't know that I'll live long enough to make every mistake. So I like to learn from others as well. So I do listen. <laughs> love it.
0: Rocco, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, one of the good guys in franchising, most knowledgeable guys in franchising. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, For Rocco, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Supplier slash Z slash Zor, just like we went through. Take care. Thank you so
1: much, Nick. Really appreciate it. Have a great day.